Thanks for joining us at our Foothills Church podcast. We exist to help people find and follow Jesus. If you're new here, we'd love to connect with you at foothills.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. Morning, Foothills. Buenos dias. I'm, I'm so excited to be here and even more excited that you're here. And not, not only Foothills Church in Seneca, but also in Pendleton. We see you, Pendleton, and we're, we're excited that you've taken the day to be with us. And uh, as Pastor Kevin said, February 24th, I want to meet all your friends. We all have them. You know we have them. They're either your coworkers, your neighbors, or they're working around you. Make sure you bring them in, and we're going to love on them. Before I go on, I want to thank the pastors for the opportunity uh, uh, to speak to the church. I, I know how important it is for them, so the fact that they trust me with this today, it's, it's amazing to me. But I have to tell you, um, when Pastor Kevin and I talked a little bit about the theme, and, and I happened to be on the Sabbath, I got to sh share with you the fact that I have a little trauma that was created in my childhood because of the Sabbath. Yeah, that's hard to understand without a story, so I guess I'm, I'm forced to tell you about it. Pray for me right now, intercessors. But uh, uh, as I was growing up, when I was seven years old, my father decided to become a Christian. And, and he surrendered his life to Christ. And I'm not talking about one of those Christians that come to church once a week and then goes out. Um, I don't know if you grew up in church the way I did, but we used to go to church seven days a week. And twice on Sunday. We would actually go in for Sunday school and spend four or five hours in church, then come out, go home, rest a little, be back at six o'clock, and spend another four or five hours at church. <clears throat> I'm trying to control my trauma. <laughs> But here goes the worst part. My father's father, my grandfather, was a Seventh-day Adventist. If you know anything about church, you know that my father and my grandfather's belief clashed a little. For some of you that didn't grow up in church, uh, Seventh-day Adventists believe that Saturday is the holy day, that the 24-hour cycle that begins on sundown on Friday, it's a holy time that you could only praise God, worship God. You don't work. You don't do anything. But my grandfather, as good as he was, he would actually take it to an extreme, and his church would actually go and dress on sackcloth, nothing under, and go in a mountain of Puerto Rico, 90-degree weather, on sackcloth, in a mountain, and, and spend all day seeking God's face because they understood that wearing the sackcloth, as uncomfortable as that was, it was a sacrifice he needed to do in order to achieve an intimacy with God. And he would actually spend hours away from everything that was going on because he understood that that was the only way that God would approve of who, of, of who he was. And where the trauma begins is the fact that once in a while when my grandfather got old, he would actually call my father and say, son, I got a problem in the house. I need you to come fix it for me. If you knew my grandfather, you would know that he would actually spend all day break, I mean, fixing things. So he always needed help getting somebody, and he would call my father. 
and he would say, son, I need you to come. And my father, without even thinking, he would actually say, no problem, dad, I'll be there Saturday. Yeah, you, you get it, right? My, my grandfather would fill with anger and he would start yelling, no, señor, no te atrevas a venir a mi casa en un sábado. I could have said that in English, but the reality is my grandfather didn't speak any English. But I'll translate it to help you. He would actually say, no, sir, don't you dare come to my house on a Saturday. He felt that my father was disrespecting everything he was. Because on Saturday, you don't do anything in my house. And there it goes. My father would actually tell him how wrong he was. My grandfather would actually turn around and say he's going to hell. And all of a sudden, I'm watching my father, my grandfather, my father, my grandfather, my father. I don't want to lose control. I don't want to have to call my therapist. But can you, can you imagine growing up, seeing that everything about Sabbath was an argument? It was about who was right and who was wrong. So throughout my, my years in, in church, I always ask, uh, who's right? What does the Bible really say about the Sabbath? And is it a 24-hour cycle? And is it for the church? Do we have to honor it? Do we not? So I would love to, to spend some time with you today sharing with you what the Bible says. And we're going to go through some verses that I think are important for us to pay attention to. Uh, and we're going to start where the commandment was given. In Exodus 20, verse 8 through 11, it says, Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh is a Sabbath day of rest, dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them, But on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. When you read that verse by itself, you understand that it gives a, a, a commandment that, that establishes it as something important. But when you look into it, as you heard Pastor Kevin last week, he spoke about the Ten Commandments. And he shared with us how the first four commandments are about having a vertical relationship with God. And the other six are about having relationships among ourselves. But I find that interesting that if I consider the first four uh, commandments, the first three clearly establishes the deity of God, the authority of God, and what we're supposed to do in order, in, in order to honor God. But then on the fourth commandment that speaks about the Sabbath, although he says that it's a day that God has sanctified, he makes it more about rest than about relationship with him. So when you, when you go through it fairly quickly, you could actually assume that God is speaking about rest, but it seems to me that he's actually saying, rest has to be part of my relationship with you. So you will follow what I'm, what I'm establishing so you could understand that rest is important for me to have a relationship with you all. And, and before I go on, I want to share with you four things that I learned in, in, in my childhood, watching my grandfather and other religious people, and that I think are still real today. Because religion is teaching us some things that don't make any sense, at least to me. See if you agree with me. Number one, 
religion tells you that God chose a day and then forces you to honor it. So God chose it, he forces you, and you're supposed to be quiet about it, don't question anything. All you do is come to church and worship him. That being you honor the Saturday, or some of us assume that Sunday has replaced the Sabbath. And, and so we look at this, and religious people tell you, you got to come to church. You got to be in church. I mean, some of you were forced to be here today. Because religion tells you, you have to be here, because in order for you to please God, you have to be here every Sunday. For me, that doesn't make any sense. Number two, religion tells you that God wants you to be doing things even if there is no sincerity. I don't know if you, are, if you agree with me, but if you hang around church, you will see how we do things that we don't really mean. I mean, somebody offends you and you share that with us and we tell you, you have to forgive. And you act like you're forgiven. You go and hug them. You give, give them a kiss, but you're still angry at them. Because we don't tell you how to build relationships and how to heal anything. We tell you how to act. I mean, how many of you know that we love one another? Yeah. We love one another in church, but the reality is that if we go through 1 Corinthians 13, we will see that most of the things that says that love does, we don't do. But we approve of you if you act a certain way. Number three, religion tells you that you're supposed to do things to reach a higher level of spirituality. As I mentioned, my grandfather thought that by going through the motions of whatever he felt it was right, he actually felt more spiritual. He felt closer to God. For me, that doesn't make any sense. Number four, religion tells you to follow rules in order to be closer to God. So if you do certain things, you get closer to God. As we are about to see, that doesn't make any sense. And I find something even more interesting. When in the commandments, God had an opportunity to establish things that were important to him. He could have chosen any of those four things that religion have taught us. He could have said, I, I need you to honor the fact that you have to be in church all the time. He could have said, you need to forgive even if you don't really mean it. You need to love, even if you, don't, if you don't feel like it. But I find interesting, and on the fourth commandment, he says, in order for you to have intimacy with me, in order for you to have a relationship with me, rest has to be part of your life. I don't know if you think that's interesting, but I, I find that interesting because why would he make rest more important than any other action that we may do on the daily life of a Christian person. He actually bases it and, and establishes rest as important. And for some of us, that's where the problem begins. Because come on, let's be real. What is rest? Many of us don't even know how to rest. Many of us follow others in thinking that we're resting because we don't even know how, to, I mean, some of you are tired of being tired And that's why you want me to finish and hurry up so we could go home. <laughs> But what is rest? I mean, some people tell you, hey, listen, in order for you to rest, you need to take days off. So we take Saturday and Sunday off. And, 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 but right now, we're already thinking about the fact that tomorrow morning, we got to go back to work. 
and we spend two days off thinking about all the burdens, all the things, all the goals, all the, the, the reasons why we need to go back to work on Monday because the list of things we have to do is so long that it, it tires us even thinking about it. And then some of the people tell you, go on vacation. So we take two or three of those a year, and if we got some money, we even take a little more. But have you ever gone on vacation and then need a vacation from your vacation because you're so tired from being on vacation that you need another vacation? <laughs> Wasn't it rest, the whole idea about going on on vacation? But we finish our vacation so tired that we want another break to take another vacation. And then some people tell you, all you need to do is meditate and focus on your inner being. And what you do is go, mm, and the vibrations make you feel good. But how many of you know people that meditate every day and they're depressed, their anxiety is killing them? So it seems to me like nothing that you do will ever get you rest. People in church teach you that you need to follow rules. But I believe that rituals are a great demonstration but have very little transformation. That our actions and the things we do in church tend to show who we are, but do very little in transforming our lives. Let me, let me share with you what the Bible says about the Sabbath day so we could have a deeper understanding of what God's intention was by establishing the Sabbath. In Exodus chapter 31, verse 12 and 13 says, the Lord then gave these instructions to Moses. Tell the people of who? Israel. Be careful to keep my Sabbath day, for the Sabbath is a sign of the covenant between me and you from generation to generation. It is given so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. There's some things in that verse that we need to embrace and understand. And the number one thing is that says, who is this for? For a specific set of people that are the people of Israel. And then he says, this is not a mandate. He could have said it right there, right? He could have said, this is my order. This is a mandate. The mandate is for Israel to remember it. But the Sabbath itself is not a mandate. It's a sign. So I got to embrace the Sabbath understanding that when God spoke to Moses, he said, this is for my people of Israel. And this is a sign of how mighty I am. If we keep reading the same verse, uh, uh, chapter 31, verse 16 and 17 says, the people of Israel must keep the Sabbath day by observing it from generation to generation. This is a covenant obligation for all time. It is a permanent sign, there's a word again, of my covenant with the people of Israel. Once again, God establishes the fact that this is a sign about the covenant between me and them, the agreement that we made. And, and, and some of us that are not very familiar with what the covenant is, is the covenant that began with Abraham. When God told Abraham, if you follow my commands, if you obey me in everything you do, I will bless you and out of you will come some people that will be multitudes and generations will know that I've, I've chosen you. That was reaffirmed with his son, and then his grandson, and reestablished through Moses on the commandments that we read. And basically God is saying, Israel, if you obey me, 
I will bless you in everything you do, and I will give you a time of rest. Then, if we, if we keep reading, we understand that the Bible actually clearly says that God was, that the Sabbath was given as a covenant of the protection from God and the things that God had to do with, with uh, the people of Israel. It's interesting that something that we need to understand in order to uh, uh, embrace the Sabbath and the meaning of Sabbath and the intention of Sabbath is we need to understand that the Sabbath was not a mandate, it was a sign. When I embrace a mentality that the Sabbath is something forced on me by God, I will reject it if I don't get results. So if I see the Sabbath as a sign, something that will show my relationship with God. Somebody needs to hear that today. My Sabbath, my day of rest, my time of rest will reflect the relationship that I have with God. And let me show you something on Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15. It says, remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. Do you hear that? Once again, he's talking to Israel and he's saying, the Sabbath will serve as a sign that I rescue you from a place of slavery and oppression. So the Sabbath is the thing that I could look at and remember that God took me out of a place of slavery and oppression. I don't know if you love that verse as much as I do, and you're going to have to forgive me, but the, the Latino side of me and the, and the Caribbean side of me gets excited too quick, you know. I, 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 I might be a little too loud for you, and I might be moving too much, and I'm trying to control myself, but the reality is it excites me when I could see that because the Bible says the rest of God will serve as a reminder that God took you out out of a place of oppression and slavery. I know some of you have had great lives. I know some of you were protected as, ch as children. I know some of you have never been in pain and struggles. But some of us, can I speak to those? Some, some of us come from a place of pain and struggle. We understand what slavery is because at one point in my life, I was a slave of sin. And I lived under oppression of anxiety and depression and suicidal thoughts. But I love the fact that I can now rest remembering that God removed me from, from a place of slavery and oppression and set me into his rest. I'm sorry, but I have a testimony. You, you see me all like this, but if you would have seen me some years ago, you would have never trusted anything I said. But I love the fact that with his strong hand and his uh, 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 permanent arm, powerful arm, he took me out of my Egypt and placed me into a place of rest. And I need to embrace and celebrate that as I go into the word and understand what Sabbath is all about. God's original plan was to offer you and I rest. Sin took us away from that place of rest. And we need to reconnect to what God's purpose is 
And I love how Paul wrote it in Romans chapter 3. And let me share that with you. And as we read it, I want you to understand that it's speaking about you and me. Paul sits down, thinks about the rest that comes from God. That place of rest that, he's, that he has prepared for God's people. And in chapter uh, uh, 19, he says, obviously. I love that, that first word. Because he, Paul is actually saying, there's no debate here. There is no question that I am about to say something that is the truth. Obviously, he says, the law applies to those to whom it was given. For its purpose is to keep people from having excuses. And to show that the entire world is guilty before God. That's the purpose of the law. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Do you see the other two words? Because I was feeling very depressed when I read that verse. But then Paul doesn't stop there and he says, but now. That's what the law did. But now God had shown us a way to be made right with him without having to keep the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. I love when Paul writes that. Because you see, he basically tells you very easy instructions. He says, listen, the law... The forcing you on a Sabbath didn't do anything for the people. Because he didn't change them. He didn't transform them. All he did is make them feel guilty because he showed them their sin. But Paul says, but now we have a way to be connected to God. And I love the way he expresses it because he says, to be made right. It's not that, that we're supposed to live as guilty Christians all the time. He says, listen, Jesus will actually give you a way to make you right in the presence of God. And then he says, and the way to do that, the key to open that door, the key to open the rest of God in your life is placing your faith in Jesus. Man, what a statement. And then he, he adds something that, that if you're here visiting for the first time and and don't know Jesus, and, and you're probably listening to me saying, man, I wish it was that easy. Well, let me tell you, Paul finishes the verse. I don't know if you cut it, but he says, no matter who we are. And I love that. I love that because he doesn't say no matter who we were. Because if he would have said no matter who we were, then we would actually have to understand that transformation needs to happen before Jesus accepts you. But he says no matter who we are today. So it doesn't matter what you were doing this morning and how messed up your life is. Paul is saying Jesus is ready to receive you. And if you trust him, he will bring you into a place of uh, uh, rest and make you right with God. So whatever it is that you're going through today, understand that God is actually telling you, I am ready to make you right. Doesn't matter who we are. And when we embrace that mentality, we will be set free. Because Jesus' ultimate sacrifice gave us the opportunity to be made right with God and gave us the right to live in rest. The Sabbath 
was not just part of a law. Sabbath is the rest that we feel and live in when we have trusted God with everything we are. Sabbath is the place that we live in and abide in when we have chosen to put everything aside and nothing matters more than my relationship with God. Sabbath is the rest that comes when we struggle with everything else and we stop trying different ways and we say, God, I trust you. Jesus, you have control of everything. And for some of us Christians, we say amen, but that doesn't mean much because we pray about something, we give it to Jesus, but then we worry about it. And I love the fact that Paul says, all you need to do is place your faith in Jesus. And I don't know about you, but the reality is Jesus sometimes takes me to places that I'm not really happy to go. Yeah. He puts me to, three, to do things that I, 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 don't feel, I don't feel like, you see, Jesus, come on. I know what you're saying, but I don't want to, or, or we shouldn't, you know. Why don't, why don't you consider my opinion? And sometimes he says, no, I don't care about your opinion. I'm telling you to do something. And, 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 and when I deposit all my faith in him, and I trust him fully, and I say, Lord, I don't know where you're taking me, but you're taking me, so I'm going. I don't know what you're doing in my life, but whatever it is that you're doing, I'm trusting that you have control. And when I surrender control, then it's not my problem because when something comes in my way that seems like a little negative, all I do is look to heavens and say, Jesus, you were the one who decided to come, not me. So you got to take care of it. You got to resolve it because I have trusted in him. And then the rest of God will come to my life. I love the fact that Paul describes clearly saying, the law reminds you how sinful you are. But Jesus' love gives you an opportunity to be set free. The law shows you how wicked, how bad, how messed up you are. But Jesus' sacrifice shows to God that I was made right. My sin was carried by Jesus. So when God looks at my sin, he sees Jesus. And he says, Ramphis, you're all right. When we embrace trusting God in everything we do, we will always live in his rest. Let me finish by sharing with you some biblical, uh, some Bible verses. And what I'm hoping to do with those verses is give you at least five principles or five instructions that we could follow in order to experience God's rest and be able to live peaceful life. I, and I don't know if you would agree with me, but I've been in church for so long that... that uh, It's really hard to fool me in church. The reality is most of us speak about a peace that we don't even, have never experienced. Most of us come to church just so we could feel better. Ah, we feel a little better. But we're constantly thinking about all the issues and all the problems that we have in life. We have let go of the world in some areas, but we continue to struggle with what the world did to my heart. We've forgotten We're forgiving everybody who hurt us in the past, but we struggle to forget everything that we went through. So we never get to experience God's peace or rest because of the, the way that we've actually done our Christianity. So let me share with you five Bible verses, and I'll finish with this. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 says, Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil. And unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. Number one instruction is keep evil thoughts from your heart. 
if there is something that I believe the church struggles with, is this. We continue to remember all the hurting, all the brokenness that we experienced in the past. And we still hold things against those people that actually put us in places that they should have loved us and protect us, but we continue to struggle with it. And that brings evil thoughts into our heart. Because our heart is not ready to release ourselves and release everything that we've done into God's presence. And the Bible is teaching you, don't allow that to happen. Let everything that happened to you in the past, let, let it go. Don't, don't allow it in your heart. Because I will bring evil thoughts that will keep you away from God's rest. In the same chapter 3, verse 13, it says, You might warn each other every day while it is still today, so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. The number two instruction that, that you should follow is build community fast and deep. I truly believe that Foothills, it's, it's the, there's so many opportunities here to build community. You could sign up for groups. And, and choose whatever group ministers to you. Or, or you could actually volunteer. And I see so many volunteers becoming family members and, and sharing one another. But the Bible teaches us, listen, when we call each other out, when we hold each other accountable, we stop each other from falling into sin. But you don't want to be that guy that shows up to groups and just say hello. And then an hour after you say goodbye. That's not community. You got to go deep. Tell people how you really feel. Tell people how you really struggle. And I assure you that in that group, you will find somebody who struggles with the same. We already hear testimonies that that's happened already in the groups. Because we're a lot more alike than what we think. We all struggle in many areas. If we continue on that verse 19 of the chapter 3, it says, So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. How's that? Number three would be believe and follow God's direction. As I said a little while ago, there are things that God takes me to and, and puts me in. And I think if you meet with any pastor here, any spiritual leader um, of yours, and you ask them, uh, how, well, is it easy to follow God's direction? Everybody would shout, no, because it's not easy. There's sometimes that, that, that we, we cry more because God is telling us to do something we don't really like. But we understand that following God's direction will set us out for his rest. If you haven't heard anything I said this morning, I want, I want you to hear this out. Rebellion against God's principle and unbelief of who he is will always keep you away from rest. Doesn't matter what you do. If God, it doesn't matter if you're prosperous, hear me out. doesn't matter if you're doing well. If you're not following God's lead into your life and you're walking away from what he's telling you to do, you will never be able to rest. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1, he says, God's promise of entering his rest still stands. And man, what an important word that is. Because in my opinion, the instruction number four is don't doubt God's willingness to accept you. Man, so many of us are so broken that we feel God will never accept you. Man, if they only knew what I've done, if they only knew where I've been. You have to understand that the Bible clearly says in multiple places that God is always willing to receive you. God is always willing to rescue you. God is always willing to answer 
to your call. He's always standing near you. And you need to embrace that mindset of someone who understands whatever I've done, whatever I've been through, God is willing to receive me. And on the first part of chapter 4, verse 3, says something. It says, for only we who believe can enter his rest. And the number five instruction would be, choose to live in rest. So many times we're burdening ourselves. We are killing ourselves. Thinking about the things we have to do and how hard it is. And when are we going to be released to something better? When are we going to be able to accomplish what we need to accomplish? When are we going to reach the levels that we've been called to be? And we never live in rest. We never choose to rest and trust God and say, you know what, God, I surrender it all. And I trust you. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you are one of those people that have lived so many years in, in church but have never experienced peace. If I'm truthful with you, I never believe in my grandfather's convictions. Because although my grandfather sacrificed so much showing that he was serving God, he was the most bitter man ever. He would argue with everyone about the Bible. He would waste no time to insult you if you were not doing what he was doing. So long in church, so long close to God, but never got to experience his peace. Or maybe you're visiting for the first time and don't know Jesus, have never chosen to surrender your life to Christ. I want to tell you, this is the moment. Today is the moment that God is saying, I'm ready to welcome you. I'm ready to do something in your life and give you peace like you've never experienced before. If you're one of those two people, I would love to lead you in a prayer. So you could follow my prayer and surrender your life. And Father God, I come to you acknowledging that I'm a sinner. That for so long I've ignored you. And I've never been able to live in rest. Would you accept me today? Because I call you out as my Lord and Savior. Please send your Holy Spirit to me. And allow me to live in rest for the rest of my days. And Lord, I pray for all of us that have been in church for so long. And that we've honored the Sabbath as a law, but we've never entered your rest. Would you speak to us? Show us the areas, God, that you need to work on and that we need to surrender. And that we need to submit to you and accept your, your lead. Show it to us today so we can be set free. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.